sweet Proteus, no. Now let us take our leave to Milan. Let me hear from thee by letters of thy success and love, and what news else betideth here in absence of thy friend. And I likewise will visit thee with mine. Valentine, in Act One, Scene One of The Two Gentlemen of Verona. For being an Englishman, Shakespeare wrote a surprisingly few plays set in his home country, although most of his exotic settings seem suspiciously like England. However, many people still assert that Shakespeare either traveled Europe during his lost years or insist William Shakespeare, the Glover from Stratford, couldn't have written the plays at all. Most of these people seem to forget that Shakespeare had an extremely poor grasp of geography. So bad, in fact, that it is almost easier to believe that Shakespeare never saw a map than it is to believe he traveled to Italy. While it isn't super relevant to the audience whether the geography is accurate, it is worth noting for our larger discussion on bardolatry and the ever-present authorship question. That is why today we will be looking at the two gentlemen of Verona and why their travels, as mapped by Shakespeare, make no sense at all and why it should matter. Hello and welcome to Breaking Bard, a Ripe Good Scholar podcast. I'm your host Sarah, also known as Ripe Good Scholar on a tiny corner of the internet. Today with the sultry voice of Bad Cough. Yay. Yay. I am here as usual with my husband Eli, an English major and fan of Shakespeare, though not nearly to the degree that I am a fan of Shakespeare. No, I I would say not. Today I'm introducing Eli to the two gentlemen of Verona because it's a perfect play to start with when we're looking at what Shakespeare got wrong. Because he got a lot wrong that could have been solved with a map. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with a quick synopsis of the play. We have Valentine. Young man, off to gallivant the world, discover himself. And by the world, I mean Milan, which is like the next town over, where he's going to stay with the Duke. Now, he really wants his best buddy in the whole world, Proteus, to come with him. Proteus, however, does not want to go because he is wooing the Lady Julia. Oh. And he loves her so much. So much. Now, Julia, of course, is playing hard to get because that's what Shakespearean ladies do. True. Except Julia's darn near driving herself bananas doing it. But, you know, for more on Julia, read my blog post because I I have a lot of feels about Julia. Yeah. I should reread that. Just don't be a Julia. Anyway, so she's kind of like, oh, I don't even care about his love letters, whatever. I tear them up. That's rude. Well, she's just trying to hide it from her, like, lady servant. As you do. You can't let those lady servants know things. So Proteus is also hiding his love from his father. Which is not a good idea. Because his father has decided that Proteus like Valentine should go and gallivant Milan. Well gallivanting's pretty fun. It is fun but so So wait does, does his father want him to go find a lady? I mean, probably. Mostly it's like, oh, go out. 
Experience the world, young man. Okay, so he's not like saying, "Hey, go you need find a wife." No. Okay, find find the a wife. No, not so much. I mean, I'm sure like if he found one, his dad wouldn't be like, "Oh no." Anyway, so Proteus runs to Julia, and he's like, Julia, I'm being forced to leave Verona. My ship leaves for Milan, like, right now. And so she goes, oh, no, and they exchange rings because they love each other, and they are going to wait for each other. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah, super nice. Super nice Proteus to do that. Yeah, it seems like he's just a nice guy who and everybody all likes. Yeah. So anyway, Proteus arrives in Milan, and Valentine's like, oh, yay, my best buddy Proteus is here. By the way, Proteus, I super love the Duke's daughter, Sylvia. Can you help me woo her? Proteus is like, sure, buddy, I got your back. Because he's a gentleman of Verona. Yes. Which, side note, two gentlemen of, two gentlemen of Verona takes place mostly in Milan. Yeah. Well, I mean... I don't know. Otherwise, it would just be titled Two Gentlemen in Milan. True. I think of Verona sounds nicer. It does. It has a nicer ring to it. I'll give Shakespeare that. It's, he's, it's like he's good at this. Yeah. Good at English, <laughs> bad at geography. Apparently, Sylvia is just like the bee's knees. Like, everybody loves Sylvia. Including Proteus! Yay! Oh, what? Yep. Uh, yeah. Mm. I know. Proteus seems like less of a gentleman. Proteus gets worse from here. Oh. Just fair warning. So Proteus is like, ooh, I like her too. Now Sylvia likes Valentine, but nobody but Sylvia appears to care about that. Well, I suppose Valentine does. Yeah, I think but... Valentine's pretty on board with that. Anyway. What does sure. her, her dad want? Oh, he has an old suitor who's tangentially relevant to the plot. Some old rich dude that, like, pops in to be like, I'm the suitor! Oh, those tangential suitors. So anyway, Valentine and Sylvia plan to run away together. Alright. So this is when Proteus... And that's how we get Valentine's Day, right? Yes, good job. Yes. Um, so Proteus goes to the Duke, and he's like, hey, Valentine and Sylvia are gonna run away together. (gasps) Just thought you should know. And the Duke's like, what? yeah, I know. Like he he gets worse. This isn't this isn't rock bottom for Proteus. No. Not even close. No. Yeah, yeah. It's I hate Proteus. <laughs> so, and the Duke's like, oh, don't worry about it. I lock her in a tower every night. And Proteus is like, what? Yes. He locks her in a tower? Yeah, obviously. I, I, I question the health of their familial relationship. I do too, but you know what? There's a lot of Shakespeare relationships I question. What? If you, if you dig too deep, it all gets weird. I don't know what you mean. King Lear seemed like a great dad. So good. So, so good. We're not there yet. We're on Two Gentlemen of Verona. <laughs> anyway, so Proteus is like, yeah, they have a ladder. Oh, if only so, we could have foreseen that ladders defeat walls. So anyway, the Duke sees Valentine scurrying along, and he's like, Hey, Valentine, what you doing? Valentine's like, Oh, nothing. Pa- just doing shingles. <laughs> no, well, no, he doesn't. It, 
Oh, he's not walking around with a ladder? No, you'll see. Hold on. Because the Duke's like, so Valentine, I have this problem. There's this girl. I want, I want to woo. I want to marry her. We want to be together. And unfortunately, she is locked in a tower. How can I get her? And Valentine's like... Wait, wait, let me guess. He sees right through the ruse. Of course not. Oh, okay. So Valentine goes, oh, man, what you should do is get a rope ladder that can be, like, folded up and fit under your cloak. And the Duke's like, oh, that's smart. That's smart, Valentine. What's under your cloak? Oh, it's a rope ladder. You're banished. Uh, womp womp. So, Val- so Valentine is stupid. Yes. And, <laughs> and then, so as Valentine's like, oh no, I got banished. Proteus is like, oh no, man, tough luck. I have no idea how that happened. Now I've got to sail back to Verona. Yeah. Well, so Proteus stays in Milan, even though his best buddy got banished. Why? Why would he do that? Just, I don't, just you know. Oh, it's is it like he's in love with Sylvia and wants to be a creep? Yeah. Okay. So, in the meantime, Julia has decided that she just cannot be separated from her love, who she loves so, so much. With all of her heart. Yep. So she disguises herself as a man named Sebastian. That seems like Shakespeare, all right. And heads to Milan. When she gets there, Proteus is at Sylvia's window. What? With musicians playing love ballads at her window at night. Does the Duke hear this? No. Well, I think Proteus is like wooing on behalf of the old guy, quote unquote. Okay. So everybody's kind of cool with it. But he's really just wooing for himself. Because Proteus is a jerky jerk. That's gross. So anyway, Julia, as Sebastian, overhears Proteus telling Sylvia, like, being like, Sylvia, I love you. And she's like, weren't you just in love with another girl? Like, Valentine told me all about Julia. And he goes, oh, she died. So, so, you know, Julia, being the strong, independent woman she is. Decides to be uh, Sebastian, Proteus's new manservant. No, what? Yeah, no, she doesn't call him out. She's just like, well, I'm your servant now. Julia. I know. Julia's a sad story. That's another podcast, though. Or a blog entry on my blog, arrivekidscaller.com. Good plug. So Julia really needs some of that self-care. She does. So, anyway... Julia, as Sebastian, becomes a trusted manservant to Proteus. Mm-hmm. So Proteus sends her with tokens of love to the Lady Sylvia. Like a ring he happened to have. Oh, the ring that Sylvia... That Julia gave him, yes. Yeah, that Julia gave him. Well, are, are we at rock bottom yet? No, not quite. Okay. Looking forward to him hitting those rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he bounces back real quick. But, uh, Julia, well, Sebastian, Julia, and Sylvia are talking. 
And Sylvia refuses to take the ring. She's like, knows it was from Julia, even though she thinks Julia's dead. She's like, eh, no, I don't want it. So Julia decides Sylvia's all right. Okay. Sylvia's pretty cool. So Julia can have good judgment. (laughs) Yes, just not when it comes to Proteus. So during his banishment, Valentine... What? I, I just wanted to point out, so like by this point in the play, Proteus has betrayed literally every other character. Yeah. Okay. So Valentine in his uh, banishment is in like the wild woods outside Milan <laughs> living with the outlaws in Mantua. Well, outside Mantua. Why didn't he just go to Verona? Don't ask questions, Eli. It's just silly. <laughs> so anyway, he ends up living with a band of outlaws. Um, I think mostly he's just kind of like, how do I get away from these outlaws? Is why he didn't immediately go back to Verona. Oh, okay. So why he's... he decided to go back to Verona via land instead of sea, I do not know. Okay. We'll get to the geography in a minute. We're almost done. All right. So he, he's basically accidentally leading these outlaws? Yeah, kind of. Man. White guys just fall upwards, don't we? Yep. No, <laughs> wait till Proteus. Um, <laughs> so Sylvia is like, I am going to run off and find Valentine and brings a knight with her to protect her. So she runs off in the night. And the Duke's like, oh, where'd my daughter go? So, in typical Shakespearean fashion, everybody ends up in the woods. Of course. You know, cue chase music. And yeah, so, sex. yeah, that's it. I'm gonna... Yes. You're going to leave that in? Yes. <laughs> Unless it's copyrighted. It might be. I, I, I don't think that version is. I don't know. <laughs> So, at some point in the shenaniganry, Sylvia ends up being, like, cornered by an outlaw, and Proteus saves her. Okay. And Proteus is like, I saved you, now you have to love me. And she's like, no, I don't. And that's when Proteus decides to take her. Oh. By force. Oh. Luckily, Valentine walks in then. Oh. And Proteus goes... Oh, my bad. And like during the fight, Sebastian passes out and drops the ring that Proteus gave to Julia. So they all find out like, oh, it's Julia. And she wakes up and Proteus is like, oh, Julia, I love you. I don't know what went through my head. I'm so crazy. And then everybody gets married. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't hit rock rock bottom. For rich white guys, it's all trampolines. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the basics. There's a lot there. We're going to have to yeah, do yeah, future a, podcasts on there's Proteus a lot and Julia and Sylvia. And it's... it's. Oh, man, you, you caught me trying to do a rape. I guess I'll just marry the girlfriend I betrayed. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And Valentine's like, oh, that's cool, bro. We're still best friends. <laughs> what? Yeah. This is a terrible play. It is. Let's get to the terrible geography. Ooh, fun. So, 
in at the beginning of the play, they travel from Verona to Milan via ship. Okay. It's made very clear they get on a boat. Now, I was in Milan not that long ago. It was pretty close to the mountains. Yeah, says Verona. So Verona is 65 miles from Venice, its nearest seaport. Oh. At least at the time, what would have been its nearest seaport. Yeah. And Milan is 75 miles north of Genoa, its nearest seaport. Oh, that's that seems like a long way to go if you're, like, yes. old time. So, one, you're not getting on a boat in Verona. True. It's landlocked. It's one of them, one of them land boats. <laughs> yeah, one of those land boats. So then, even if, say, they went to Venice and took the boat from there, it's like 1,400 miles around Italy. Yeah. It's notoriously long. To Genoa. To take a 75-mile land route to Milan. Now, if you left Verona and went west via land... You would travel about 90 miles on roads to Milan. <laughs> so, that doesn't really save you any time. No. You, you have to... So, ta- taking a boat to Milan involves more overland travel than walking to Milan. Yes. <laughs> so, I take it Shakespeare wasn't that good at geography? No, apparently not. And this is what blows my mind about it. Because very few of his plays take place in England. I mean, they all kind of take place in England, but they say they're elsewhere. Yeah, it's like he. It's like when Sean Connery's in Highlander and he says, I'm a Spaniard. Yeah, pretty much. That was my worst Sean Connery attempt ever. I'm sorry, dear. I'll keep that in so the people know you can do a better Sean Connery. Thank you. So then the question becomes. Why does it matter? It wouldn't have mattered to an Elizabethan audience. They wouldn't have known Milan and Verona from any other city in Italy. In all likelihood. I've been to Milan and I don't. Yeah, see? So, it doesn't... And, and it doesn't really matter to the plot whether they took it via boat or land. Or both. Because apparently, Valentine decided to go hang out in the woods instead of hopping that boat from Milan. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to get an imaginary boat on the on short notice. That's true. You got to plan ahead for those imaginary <laughs> boats. So even though it wouldn't have mattered to the audience, and it doesn't matter to the plot of the play, it matters in our larger discussion of Shakespeare, and particularly around the authorship question, because a lot of anti-Stratfordians. The people who don't think Shakespeare wrote Shakespeare. Yes. Say, look where his plays are set. They're set in all these exotic locations. They're set in Italy. They're set in, you know, Greece. They're set in France. And, and, you know, clearly, whoever wrote these plays was well-traveled. Oh, and you could only be well-traveled if you were rich and not the son of a glover. Yes, essentially. You know that they, they 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 he must have known, and and except he was a dummy who didn't know Milan was inland, or Verona. Like they're both inland. 
it's important for us as Shakespeare scholars to look at what he got wrong. Because it makes him a real person. He wasn't this, like, crazy, well-traveled, super-educated genius man. He was a dude who, if he had just looked at one freaking map, he would have known. Because we're talking about Italy. We're not talking about the Americas. Like, he probably knew people from Italy. <laughs> because, like, if one, London, it, he, the places that we do know he lived in London were pretty diverse areas where a lot of merchants and people would be. Um, and not only that, but he does, like, have Italian spoken in some of his plays. So either he could speak Italian or he had someone who could write it out for him. Wow. So he's really lucky that they didn't have like 16th century Twitter because it would have been all up his business. True. I mean, like Shakespeare in terms of like geography is like a worse source than the first years of Wikipedia. Ooh, wow. Yeah, like, it, it's bad. He's not good at it. Uh, is he Apple Maps bad? Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, Apple Maps would be the one to take you around Italy. <laughs> so it's it's more that people are setting him up as though he's inhumanly refined and well-traveled and beyond what could feel attainable when he's he's just a guy like us who wrote some funny plays about a guy who tried to do a rape. Proteus is awful. I know, right? Like, I kind of forgot, like, when I picked this topic, I kind of forgot how awful Proteus was. <laughs> and then I reread, and then I, like, refreshed my memory on the whole plot. I was like, God, he's the worst. He is. And Julia marries him. Julia, you can do better. I know. Girlfriend's got to get some self-confidence. Girlfriend, you need to focus on you. I mean, there's a lot of, like... There's a lot to dissect in this play that's, like, not right. The geography being the, like, least worrisome (laughs) of it. But at the same time, I think it's a good balance to strike because... Does it matter to the play? No. The play is still perfectly enjoyable. Uh, No. Okay. This is why. The play is bad. This is a bad play. Well, exactly, though. (laughs) But everybody acts like everything Shakespeare wrote was Hamlet. Basically, people keep saying Shakespeare pooped gold, but he ended up pooping two gentlemen of Verona. Yeah, and Henry VI. Ooh, that was boring. Yeah. So boring. Next week. I think it's important for people studying Shakespeare and and even people first learning Shakespeare to like let's revel in the badness of it. You know what I mean? Like let's talk about how Proteus and Julia are just the worst. Oh yeah, it's just like any other show we love where, you know, the cheesy bits that make us angry or happy are the stuff we love talking about. Have fun with it. And then go and watch a Shakespeare play and it'll still be great. Like in a couple weeks, we're going to go see Titus Andronicus. 
and it will be delightful. You know why? Because it is the best your mama joke. Oh, it does. I can't oh. wait. Oh, that was. They better not cut that. That's I, so. No, good. it's so good. It's so. Good. I don't. It's one of those I don't see how they could cut. Villain, I have done thy mother. Ooh, oh, burn. burn. And that's like that's what I like about the Cincinnati Shakespeare Company is that they will take the time to enjoy that sweet, sweet burn. Right. You know, and we don't like. We just have to enjoy that. Like, let's enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's fine to say, ooh, this is a goofy comedy, and ooh, this is stupid, silly fun. Or, ooh, did he just try to do... No, Proteus. Proteus. Oh, did Shakespeare even ever look at a map ever? Probs not. That's what I really wanted to take away. This play is an exercise in how approachable Shakespeare is. I don't know if approachable is the right word. You're right. Two Gentlemen of Verona, in particular. Mm. As an author? Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Because that's the thing. I think, I guess that's my mission in life, is to get people to understand Shakespeare was just a dude. Shakespeare was just a dude who wrote some good plays and some really bad ones, but mostly good ones. That's the thing. He he tells dirty jokes. He goes on about silly things. Uh, some of his plays are just slapstick, but they're good. They're good for what they are. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't pretend like he had to be a saint or a genius to write some good plays. And next week, me and my friend Lisa are going to talk about another doozy of a play, oh, Henry yes. the Sixth. Ooh. Mostly we're going to talk about how what was going on in his brain. Oh. With all the catatonia and all that. Man, that's a big historical question. What was going on in his brain? We probably won't answer it. Yay! But tune in next time. And thus concludes this episode's dive into the Bard. If you want to talk more about Shakespeare, please look me up on Twitter or Instagram at RipeGoodScholar or check out my blog at RipeGoodScholar.com where I've provided a summary of The Two Gentlemen of Verona along with a blog on my personal feelings about Julia. If you like this podcast and don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe. New episodes will be released every other Monday. Please consider leaving a five-star review so new people can be introduced to the podcast and share with your friends. All right, that's it for today. Don't forget, our court shall be a little academe, still and contemplative in living art. <laughs>